Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Good to see everybody today at all of our campuses, Friendswood, Alvin, 288, Pearland, Webster, and online. How we doing? We doing good? Praise God. I'm glad you're here. Enjoying that time change, beginning of spring break. But hey, I believe God has you here today for a reason. You are at church today for a reason. You are here because I believe God is going to do a work in your life. I believe it. Because every time that we open up this word, life change happens. Amen. So I believe today that we're going to lean into God's word. We're going to learn today and that God will do something in us because that's what he does. So I'm so glad you're here today at church. We are in our series today called The Disciples' Final Training. This is all about in the book of John, the last day of Jesus before the crucifixion, all the things that he taught. If you know, we've been in a series where we've been going through the book of John leading up into Easter. And so now we're in the series where it's the final day of Jesus' life. So these are the final things on the final day that he taught to his disciples and that we're going to be learning today. Why do we need to learn from this? Why are we doing a whole series on the final day of Jesus' life? Because following Jesus does not come naturally. We do not naturally follow God. We do not naturally drift into following God. It's kind of like my kids. I love them sometimes, you know. Um, uh, for my three-year-old, I made him a, a bowl of cereal. Honey Nut Cheerios, because regular Cheerios, I can't do that. I can't do it to him. So Honey Nut Cheerios, put it in a bowl. He was all cute. You know, he just woke up, set the bowl down. He's like, thanks, Dad. I was like, oh, man, you know, like, oh, man, that was great. Turn around, walk away. I turn around, bowl's on the ground, milk's on the ground, cereal's everywhere. He's sitting there. I say, what happened? He's like, I don't know. I don't know what happened, right? Like, I don't, I don't have to teach my kids how to sin. Like, I don't know about your kids, but my kids just naturally are really good at it, right? Like, I have to teach them how to follow Jesus. I don't need to teach them how to sin. That comes naturally. Following Jesus does not. We have to actively fight to learn the truth. And so today, at all of our campuses, we're going to be going over a phrase. I'm going to repeat it because I want you to walk away with it because I believe it's a phrase that's going to speak to some of y'all today. This is the phrase we're going to be going over today. I believe today we're going to train in the truth. Train in the what? Now more than ever, people are searching for the truth. Now more than ever, people are wondering what is true. That's why there's thousands upon thousands of self-help books. You can Google it. There's Article after article of people searching for what is true. Y'all, newsflash, we already got it. We already got the truth, and it's right here. You want to know how we train in the truth? We get in God's word. We put our own opinions aside, and we say, what is true? This is what I need in my life. And that's what we're going to be doing today. Going over the book of John, chapter 14 is where we're going to start. So you got your Bible. We're going to start in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and he will be with you forever, the spirit of what? Truth. The spirit of truth, also known as the Holy Spirit. When you accept Christ, when you have that moment where you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And it gives us the truth that we need to raise our kids. 
It gives us the truth that we need to honor God with our finances and tithe even when we don't want to. It gives us the truth that we need to serve God at work even when it's easy to cut corners, to make godly decisions. The spirit of truth gives us these things. And I believe it does three things. The three things we're gonna to cover today is that the spirit of truth teaches us, the spirit of truth convicts us, and the spirit of truth guides us. And we're gonna continue on now in the next verse, verse 17. It says, the world cannot accept him, talking about the spirit of truth, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The world cannot accept the spirit of truth. Only people that have had that moment, right? We said, Jesus, I need you, right? Like you accept God as your Lord and Savior. In that moment, you receive the spirit of truth. You ever wonder why it's so hard to follow Jesus? Like why in this world is it so hard to be a Christian? It's because the world does not have the spirit of truth. They have the spirit of the world. It's opposite of what Jesus has, right? It's opposite of what Jesus gives us. And so when you accept Christ and you receive the spirit of truth, are you done? You don't seem very confident in that answer. Let me ask you that again. <laughs> you accept Christ. Are you done? No. You don't just kick it into neutral and say, cool, I'll see God in 40 years. I'm going to take it easy. And here's how I know that's not true. Because once you accepted Christ, you did not beam into heaven. Right? God's not done with you yet. He's got you here for a reason. It's so more people can know the spirit of truth that can accept Jesus. You're here for a reason. God's got a plan for your life. And so if you're tired of the same old faith, if you're tired of being stuck, if you're tired of feeling like you're just going through the motions, it's time that we train in the truth. If you know that God has more for your life, you know that you feel like God wants to do something big in your life, you just don't know what it is or God's revealed to you that next step, but you're scared to take it. I believe that God has you here for a reason, to train you up in the truth so you can know what your next step is. So the spirit of truth does three things. And the first thing I wanna make sure that we hit on is the spirit of truth teaches. The spirit of truth teaches. You know Christ, you receive the spirit of truth, and then it begins to teach you. Why? It's the same thing we talked about earlier. Because following Jesus does not come naturally. Even once you accept Christ, it does not come naturally to follow God. Right? It does not, we do not drift. Christians do not drift into following the spirit of truth. We drift into looking like the world even once we've accepted Jesus. Right? So we need the spirit of truth's help to be the better father that God's called us to be, to honor God with our money, to lead our families. We need this teaching to guide us. And I want to show you where he talks about this in verse 21 of John chapter 14. He says, whoever has my commands and what? Keeps them. Remember that. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Our job, once you've accepted Jesus, if you're a Christian, our job is to obey the teaching that Jesus told us to do. If you're not a Christian today, let me tell you this. If you don't know Jesus, your step is to accept Christ. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. 
accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So for somebody at one of our campuses today, your step is to be obedient and accept Jesus, go from death to life, and praise God. That's the greatest decision you'll ever make. But if you're in the house of God today and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, our job is to obey his teaching. Let me say it this way. To love God is to obey his teaching. Love God, obey his teaching. You can't say you love God, but never obey what he tells you to do. You feel me? Right? We got a lot of people like to say they love God, but they don't do anything about it. Our job, if you love Jesus, you show it with your actions. Let's be real. We got enough people that fake it. So we need to be people that love God and love obeying his teaching. There's a theological word where these two things combine. It's this word called sanctification, right? It simply means that when I have the spirit of truth, he is training me to look more like Jesus, right? I should look less like my old self and more like the Savior. As I get into his word, I look less of like who I used to be in the world and more like the Savior. And the thing about sanctification, it it happens at salvation, right? Like you go from death to life. Yes, that happens. But it's not done there. It's not done there. It continues on the entire time that you're walking with the Lord until you go see him in heaven one day. Because last time I checked, we're not perfect. So that means we have more sanctification to go. And so that means my life should look different than I even did yesterday. I should be a better follower of Jesus. I should look more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. I should walk in more freedom today than I did yesterday. I should be a better husband today than I was yesterday. I should be more generous. I should be more honoring of God than I was yesterday. Why? Because I'm being sanctified. Don't compare your life. Don't set the bar low and say, well, you know, I'm a different person than I was before I accepted Christ. No, no, that's a low bar. That's death to life. That's different. I want to know, are you a better husband today than you were a month ago? Are you walking in more freedom today than you were a month ago? Or if you've been honest, you've been kicking it in neutral. Your life should look different on a daily basis. Why? We're training ourselves in the truth. Right? We learn from God, less of my old self and more of Jesus. So if your life hasn't looked different in a long time, if you're struggling with the same thing that you've been struggling with for years, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. You're here on earth for a reason, and it's to train yourself in the truth. Stop drifting towards the world and start saying, I'm going to be a person that looks more like Jesus. I'm say it this way. Um, if your life doesn't look different than the non-believers that you work with, if your life, if you or have the spirit of truth inside of you. You know the savior of the world. You have a life-giving spirit inside of you and your life doesn't look different than the people that don't know this truth, that don't know the Lord, that if they continue on this path, will spend eternity separated from God, that are stuck in darkness. If you're doing the same thing, saying the same things, acting the same way, if, if your life does not look different, it's time to get right. Less of the world and more like Jesus. But that only comes when we obey his teaching. Like I said, 
we got enough people that fake it. And I don't even know if they're Christians, but that's between God and them, right? Like, we got enough people that fake it. It's time we get real. It'd be, it'd be kind of like this. Um, does anybody, anybody uh, like to run? I like to run? Uh, if you do at all of our campuses, uh, we're going to have prayer partners down here at the front. They'd love to pray with you. <laughs> we're believing for a miracle today. Um, this is the Houston Marathon. Kudos to those people. You know, hey, you're never going to see me there. Like, I'm not in this picture. I'm, <laughs> I'm not in that picture. Here's the thing. Like, I like the idea of running, right? Like, I like the idea of jogging in a direction that is good for my health, right? Like, anybody else, like, you like the idea of running? You're like, yeah, that sounds like a good thing I should be doing. I even have some running shoes. I don't run. I like their little gummies they eat because they taste good, like, but I don't run. And so what separates me from these people? You already know it's a training. I can say I'm a runner all day long, but if I don't put in the work, I'm not what I claim to be. Let me say that again. I can say I'm one thing all day long, but if I don't put in the work, I'm not what I claim to be. Your actions speak louder than words. We have a lot of people that like the idea of being a Christian, right? Like they like the idea of salvation. That sounds great. Eternity in heaven, perfection. Who wouldn't want that? The idea of walking in freedom, I like that. We like the idea of being a Christian, but we never put in the work. There's no training. So how do we train? We get into his word. That's what we do. What people have been doing for thousands of years. And the thing about this book, y'all, is there's nothing magical about this book. Like if it just sits on your shelf or it's, it, it's like an app on your phone and you never open it, it's not going to do anything. You can't be like, mm, God's word. Mm, okay, make me more like a Christian today, right? Like, like that's not how it works, right? Like if we're going to be a people that do this, we're going to be a people that train in the truth, then we need to get in his word on a daily basis. And it's, it's not like an instant thing either, right? Like, okay, cool, I, got, I, got, uh, I read one verse today, or I got, what's that app called? Like, Sprinkle of Jesus, Lord help us. So it's like, like you take 20 seconds and you read God's word, and you're like, I'm gonna be a better person today. And it, consistent obedience in the same direction. Consistent obedience in the same direction is what leads to life change, right? Like, opening up this book, reading one verse, will it hurt? No but there's more for you. There's a higher bar for you. And so like, why haven't we read this book? If you know Jesus, you know you're supposed to be reading this. Why are we reading it? Well, pastor, you know, Carl, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just real busy right now. You know, like we're just real busy. Got a lot going on. You know what's funny about busyness is I've never heard someone say, yeah, like I just have a ton of time and I'm just wasting it away. Like, even students say they're busy, and we all know they're not busy, right? They're not. But everybody says they're busy, right? I say, oh, I just don't have the time. No, 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 no. We all have the same amount of time. Every single one of us has the exact same amount of time. The question is, will you make the time? Because you make time for what a priority is. You make time. Uh, that's why for any time we have a new student at any of our campuses— we give them this. So we give them this Bible, 
and then we give them a 16-day Mark reading plan. And I don't think they get very excited about it. They're like, man, this is not that cool of a gift. Um, You know how students are. But why do we give this to them? Because this is what changes lives. Getting in God's word changes lives. If you came to me today and said, Carl, how can I see God move in power in a week? I'd say, get in his word seven days. Right? Like, that's what this book does. Daily time with God changes you. That's why at every uh, student event that we do, uh, including the one we just did, actually, uh, Revive Weekend, which was awesome. I have a picture. So this is our high school camp up here. This is our junior high camp. Um, 919 students, 242 volunteers, and then 55 of these students got baptized last week and more again baptized today. Praise God, huh? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so um, I just want to say this. The next generation has a stigma, and a lot of times it's correct, but God is not done. God is always moving. And he's moving through that puberty-stricken teenager, I promise you. He's doing something. So um, if you have a student, get signed up for summer camp. God moves in power, and I want your student there. Um, But every event that we do, including Revive, we start off with what we call an encounter, which is time with God. So we spread out all over the camp. We spread out all over camp, and we open up God's word, and we start God's word that way. Why? Because we want to train these students in the truth that this is the rhythm that leads to life change, right? And, and God's word talks about this, John chapter 14, verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send you in my name, will what? Teach you all things and reminding you of everything I have said to you. Right, so you you get into his word and he reminds you of truth. He teaches you who you need to be. Sanctification, look more like Jesus. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking right now. Carl, I know I need to read my Bible. I know I do. I don't, um, but I I go to church. And hey, for real, praise God you're at church. A lot of Christians, at least say they're Christians, they don't come to church. So hey, praise God you are here. I'm so glad you're here. But, But know my heart when I say this. An hour a week is not gonna lead to the changes you probably wanna see in your life. And that's if you're like really consistent. The average church attendance is 1.5 times a month. We cannot expect God to move in power in our lives with an hour and a half a month, right? Like we shouldn't have these high expectations of what God's gonna do in your life if we give him an hour and a half. And we know this, we know this logic, right? We get this. If your son or your daughter came to you and said, dad, mom, I wanna be in the NFL. I want to get a full ride scholarship to this school. I want to get my GPA to this so I can get scholarships. And you're like, great, great. So what are you going to do? They said, I'm going to do my homework an hour and a half a month. I'm going to practice my sport only an hour and a half a month. And that'll be enough. You'd be like, no, we got to get you daily. We're going to get you a tutor. We're going to get you a personal trainer. We're going to do two a days. I know you're only four years old, but we're going to start talking to recruits now, and we're going to get after it. Some of y'all, y'all need to hear that. Y'all getting crazy, okay? <laughs> y'all getting crazy. Right? But, like, we get it. You know you got to put in the work if you want to see the results. But then we think an hour and a half enough is enough a month for our faith. You see how the enemy has twisted what our priorities are? 
We'll spend hours a week with, with our kids going to practices and tournaments. And then we'll, we'll say, well, if, if church is convenient, or God, I don't got time for 15 minutes in the morning. Y'all getting me fired up. I got I to gotta, I gotta move on. But last thing I'll say is this. The sign of a mature believer is not independence from God. It's not, I have enough right that I don't need God as much. The sign of a mature believer is complete dependence upon God. The more you know him, the more you realize you need him. And if you think you don't need him, that means you don't know him. Because if a sign of a mature believer is like, I am a broken man and I need daily, sometimes hourly, moment by moment guidance from God and the spirit of truth to get me where I need to go. And men, it starts with you. Men, you want to see your family change? You want to see the priorities change in your family? It starts with you. You start making the time for God's word, and guess what? Your family will follow. You make church a priority, your family will follow. But if you make sports a priority, guess what? Your family's priority is going to be sports. It starts with you. Lead. All right, I got to move on. Second thing, spirit of truth. Spirit of truth convicts. Let's go to a light point. Spirit of truth convicts. I can be better, right? This is what this means. I can be better. God has made me for more, right? If you know Jesus, you know this feeling, right? Maybe some of y'all are feeling it right now and it's good, right? Like, man, I can be the person that God's called me to be, right? You have an argument, you say something that's a little too strong, you're like, shouldn't have said that. You're scrolling and you watch something, you're like, I shouldn't have watched that, right? You look, there's an opportunity to give and you don't give, even though God's kind of putting on your heart to give, you're like, I should have gave to that. Right? It's, it's the idea that God has made me for more. Sanctification. I want to look more like Jesus, less like my, my worldly self, and more like my heavenly father. I need to make a distinction, though. Conviction is a good thing, but I need to make a distinction because sometimes people get mixed up in this area, okay? Here's the, here's the distinction. The truth convicts, the enemy condemns. The truth says you can be better. There's more to your life, right? Like some of you feeling that today, like I can get into God's word. Yes, I need to lead my family better. Yes, that's good. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore it. That's good. That's, that's calling you to look more like Jesus. The enemy says you're worthless. You have no value. You're stuck and you'll always be. You might as well stay in this sin. One draws you to Jesus and one keeps you where you're at. There's a battle scripture I have that helps me fight off these feelings in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life to the full. The thief, the enemy's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what sin does. It slowly steals, kills, and destroys what God has created us for. But God is saying, I, can, I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. Some of us today, you're believing the lie that you have no hope. You're believing the lie that, that God can't use you. You're stuck in this loop of condemnation, this loop of addiction, this loop of anger, this loop of adultery, this loop of greed, and you think there's no way that God can use me. That's condemnation speaking. If you got breath in your lungs, God is not done with you yet. He is not done with you yet. Yes, you need to walk in free from that sin. Yes, but God's not done with you yet. He's called you to something better. Because here's the thing about conviction is it leads to something better. It leads to something better. It leads to this, repentance. It leads to repentance. 
and how life-giving repentance is. Now, I, I know, no one wakes up and it's like, man, I am excited to repent today. I'm excited to confess all the ways that I have failed. Woo! Let's go. Um, but for real, though, that, that's, the, that's the worldly side of you talking. That's, that's the pride talking. Because every single one of us know the power of repentance, if you know Jesus today. Because you've had that moment where you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you received the spirit of truth, and you said, God, I'm sorry, I can't do it on my own anymore. Right, you lay down your pride and you said, God, I need you, I need you in my life. And you realize the power of repentance in that moment. My fear is that for some of us though, that was the last time we repented. That was the last time we said, God, I've messed up. God, God I'm stuck in an addiction right now. God, God I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm being rude to my kids. God, I, I'm idolizing work. God, I'm idolizing money. God, I'm putting other things before you. God, help me. I'm sorry. And, and if you, you don't want to repent, you're, you're missing it. Because it's not this thing with like, you're, you're bad or you're not good enough, right? It's not condemnation. Because when we repent, it actually leads to something even better. Let me show you. That's what it leads to. Acts chapter 3, I love this. Repent, then turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of what? Refreshing may come from the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to be refreshed by God. I want to feel his presence more. So today, church, if you want to feel God's presence more, repent. You want to know his will for your life? Repent. You want to have more joy, more fruit of the Spirit? You want to be more blessed? Repent. Because God can work in a humble heart. But pride will keep you from seeing God move in your life. Pride is what keeps you from repenting. Pride makes you think, I don't need to repent. I'm too good for that. Or I'll do it next week. Don't miss today. If you got something in your life that you need to get right with, don't let pride keep you from repenting. Come down after service, talk to our prayer partners, get right. One more thing I want to show you, though, about repentance. Um, it goes two ways. Vertical, horizontal. Vertical, horizontal. Vertical is between you and God, right? This is how salvation starts, and this is what sanctification looks like. God, I'm sorry, right? You got to get right with the Lord. This is where it all started. When you say, God, I need you. You are God. You receive the spirit of truth, and then it continues on even as you go into uh, walking with Jesus with your walk with the Lord. God, I'm sorry about this. I want to get better. And you get more and more looking like Jesus, but until you're perfect, you're still going to have things you got to repent of, right? Getting right here. Then there's horizontal. You get right with God, you get right with the person that you hurt. That secret sin that you got in your marriage right now, that you're wondering why your marriage has been on the rocks or something that you just feel like you've been, you've been working way too many hours and you're idolizing your job and you're kind of avoiding going home because you don't want to help your wife with the kids. It's time to repent. Now you may be thinking, but Carl, like, if I repent to my wife and I tell her or I tell him about this sin, it's only going to make things worse. No, you know what makes things worse? Unrepented sin. Hidden, unrepented sin is what makes things worse. I had a brother in Christ call me recently, and he was struggling. Um, but he just had that moment in the car where he was worshiping God, and he's like, 
God, I'm, I'm sorry, because he was trying to do everything out of his own strength, and it was just getting worse and worse and worse and worse and digging a deeper and deeper hole, and he finally humbled himself and said, God, I need you. He called me up and was telling me kind of what was going on. I said, man, praise God. Praise God you got there. Now you need to repent to your wife, right? You got right with God, now you need to get right horizontally. And, and he's saying, no one wants to, right? Like, no one's like, man, I'm, I, I want to repent. But here's the thing, church. If we're going to train ourselves in the truth, it doesn't matter what I feel, right? Honestly, the thing that you don't want to repent of is probably the thing that you really need to repent of, right? If there's a party, like, man, I really don't want to repent of that. I'm not going to overstep here, but like, that's probably the thing that you really need to repent of. You need to get right. Y'all, I repent to my kids. I repent to my kids. When I overreact or I say something I'm not, I, I, I don't do, I'll go to my three-year-old and say, man, I'm sorry. And that's humbling because he still poops in his pants. <laughs> like, I'm a grown man. And I'm apologizing to my three-year-old. I'm like, all right, let me go change your diaper now, right? Like, <laughs> but we have a rule in our house that if anyone messes up, you, you repent to God and you repent to the person that you hurt. And I have to show them, I am not a perfect dad. I am far from perfect but we serve a God who is. I wanna show them, train them in the truth that repentance is not something to avoid. It's something that brings refreshment from God. It draws you closer to Jesus, that sanctification. If I want my kids to know the power of repentance and how refreshing it could be, I gotta model it myself. And if you think repentance isn't for you, man, you're missing it. The power of repentance is because it leads to a time of refreshment from God. Put down the pride. Be humble and repent. Last thing. Spirit of truth guides. Spirit of truth guides. Um, this is all about what is in the future. Future tense, right? Like, what job should I have? Uh, what should I do? Who should I marry? Like, any of those kind of big decisions, if you're praying about something like, what am I supposed to do here, God? I got two options. What should I do? You're asking the spirit of truth for wisdom. And the thing that a lot of times happens with Christians is there's usually two options about future plans. There's what you feel like should happen and the thing that you're praying about. And then there is what happens, God's future for your life, God's plan for your life. And sometimes those align and praise God when they do, right? You prayed about something and God answered that prayer and it's exactly how you thought it was gonna go and you're like, Praise God, he is good, glory to God forever. You start singing, everything's great. But sometimes the thing that you're praying about and the thing that happens that God's will for your life, they don't line up and it creates that tension. And I want you to remember that. I'm gonna put a pin in that, write that tension. We're gonna come back to that in a second. But before I get there, I have to say this. If you're doubting, God does guide you. The spirit of truth does guide your future. Check this out, John chapter 16, verse 13. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what? What is yet to come. He's all knowing. So he's going to tell you what is yet to come. The thing that we have to remember, God's word and his will will always align. God's word and his will for your life will always align. He is not calling you to sin. That's not God's will for your life. Some people ignore that truth, though. They put the little Christian phrase, God told me, and they start saying that to people. 
And people have gotten hurt because of that. Shoot, even pastors have said that. God told me this for you. And so we're not gonna be like that, okay? But I have a very simple thing, a little checklist that when you're praying about something, you got a decision you gotta make. It's gotta go through these three filters, okay? Prayer, God's word, and wise counsel. We actually did a series on this called Hearing God recently, uh, recently, 2019. So feels like eons ago. That's not recently at all. It's like a whole thing in between there. But we did a whole series on these three weeks. So if you wanna dive into that more, you can, you can do that. Um, but the, the thing how this works is like you're praying about something. You feel like, hey, I feel like this is the thing I should do or this is the step we should take. You don't just go off of that feeling. You go to God's word. Does it align with God's word? If it aligns with God's word, cool, you can go on to wise counsel. If it doesn't, you throw it out. Don't go off your feeling, go off of what is true, right? Our feelings are all over the place. Go off of what is true. If it aligns with God's word, then you go to wise counsel. And when you go to wise counsel, go to somebody that knows Jesus. Don't go to a non-believer to be praying about that the spirit of truth will give you guidance and they don't have the spirit of truth, right? It doesn't make any sense. Go to somebody that knows Jesus and unless it's your spouse or someone in your family, keep it the same gender. You don't need that kind of connection with somebody else, right? So you, you have these three things, right? You have your prayer, you have God's word, and then you have wise counsel. Like for friends of mine right now, they're trying to figure out when to buy a house. And it's a great, if you didn't know, it's a great time to buy a house. Uh, interest rates are real low, uh, market's great. <laughs> yeah, so pray for them. But they know like, hey, I wanna stop paying rent and I wanna build equity, right? Like all those wise things. But they're like, interest rates are crazy, prices, all that kind of stuff. So they see a house listing, they pray about it. If they don't feel like they should, they move on, but they feel like maybe this is one we should offer on, they go to God's word. Hey, do we feel like our finances line up? Do we feel like this is the right step? And then they go to wise counsel. What this does, if I was gonna be honest with y'all, what this does is it takes the pressure off of you. Like you don't have to have it perfectly lined up all the time. Your prayer life is spot on. It's what Laura and I did when we were praying about being foster parents, right? We felt led through prayer. Then we went to God's word, make sure it aligned. And then we went to godly couples and said, hey, can you be praying about this for us? When those three things line up, prayer, God's word, and wise counsel, the next step is to take a step. Will you have full confidence in that step? No. That's why you have faith. If you didn't need, if you didn't, if God revealed everything to you at one time, you wouldn't need faith. So our job is to take a step. And I know some of us, like we like to know like all the steps that God's telling you to take. You got like your planner, you got like all the colors, you got six months marked out and you're like, this color means this and this color means that and this color means this. And you're like, all right, six years from now, we're free on this Saturday. Maybe we have some time, right? God don't always work like that, all right? He gonna reveal to you the next step. And some of us, we're praying about step three, four, five, and God's like, yo, bro, I revealed to you step one six months ago, but you're too scared to take it. Take a step, then repeat the process. Pray, God's word, wise counsel, take the next step. And we trust that God's got us. There's a scripture that's given me a lot of peace on this. It's one of my battle scriptures. Proverbs chapter three, verse five through six. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he'll make your path straight. He gonna take care of you. He got you, right? We do not need to rely on our own wisdom alone. We think we know what the future holds. We think we know what's best for us, but we don't. We don't know what's gonna happen in the future. If we did, we'd know the Cowboys would not win the Super Bowl, right? We would know like it's just gonna continue to be this false idea, right? We would... 
when we take a step of faith and you obey what God's calling you to do, does that mean it's gonna be easy? No. Don't mistake God's plan for an easy plan. God's not calling you to easy, he's calling you to godly. And following God is hard, but it's worth it. Because you know what he's doing? He's training you in the truth. Your life, your whole life, once you know Jesus, you know what your whole life is for? It's to give God glory. It's not about you anymore. The reason you're still on this planet is not so that you can have a comfortable life. It's so that you can bring more glory to God and help other people know about him. Following God is not easy, it's hard, but it's worth it. And some of y'all today, you're thinking about giving up. It's getting hard in your marriage. It's getting hard with the kids. And you're thinking about giving up. Don't give up. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, you will reap a harvest for those who do not give up. Don't give up. This is how we felt uh, back in May when last time I chatted with y'all, we got licensed to be a foster care parents. And so we got a sweet little five-year-old, uh, we'll call her B, um, sweet little girl. And uh, in my five-year journal, I still do that every day, but in my five-year journal, the day that I met her, I just felt like in my spirit, like, man, we're going to get to adopt her. And that's Laura and I's goal is that we want to foster to adopt. And we prayed in that moment, Lord, I lean not on my own understanding, but your will be done. And so uh, Bella, she went everywhere with us. You know, she came to church with us. She went to Revive. She went to here. And our NHK team is awesome. They loved on her so well. And uh, she was part of our Hope Friends ministry. And I was her dad. Right, and, and, and Laura was her mom, and my kids were her siblings. And for eight months, we did life. And we had great joy, and y'all, we had some serious pain. We had laughter, and we had tears. And there was many a moments where I was on my knees before God and saying, God, why are you having me do this? And I wanted to give up. But I knew that I had to continue on because you reap a harvest for those who do not give up. And so in my heart this whole time, right, we have her through the ups and the downs, I felt like, man, we're gonna get to adopt her. And then the day of the hearing came, eight months after we received her on day 251, and on day 251, I felt the same thing that I felt on day one, which is we were gonna get to adopt her. And in that moment, um, the judge ruled that she's gonna go live with other family. And In that moment, I got two options. Remember that tension we talked about, right? Like your plan, God's plan. In that moment, I had two options. I could be like, God, how dare you not answer my prayer? How dare you not let this happen? How dare you let her go back to that situation? How dare you, God? Maybe for some of you, it's, God, how dare you let my spouse die even though we've been praying for her to be healed? How dare you let me lose my job and have been working so hard? How dare you let us get a divorce, God? How dare you let my kid fall away like that? How dare you, God? Why didn't you answer my prayer? And we get mad at God and we turn away. Or option two is that in the pain, in the grief of knowing I'm probably never going to see her again, I trust that somehow us not adopting her brings God the most glory. 
I don't know how, I don't like it, but I trust that God is in control and that it'll bring him the most glory. And the Lord, the spirit of truth reminded me in that moment of this scripture right here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight. It's not about what I think. It's about submitting to God's will, even when it's hard. I trust and I lean on not my own understanding. I lean on that he loves her more. He's got a plan for her life more than I ever could. And now Laura and I, Lord willing, are going to foster again. Right? Because that's what God has called us to do. It's refining, but it makes us more like Jesus. And I want you to know, if you're going through pain today, if you got something going on, know that God meets you where you're at. Don't turn away from him. Turn to him. And the spirit of truth will say, I know, I know it's hard. But Romans 8 Read that chapter. He's got a purpose for your life. He works all things the good according to those who love him, according to his purpose. He's got a plan for your life. Don't give up. And when we don't give up, the spirit of truth will be there to do these three things. To teach us, sometimes to convict us, and to guide us. And he will always be with you. Praise God, he is always with you. Praise God, you are never alone. The spirit of truth is with you and he will guide you. He will train you up in the truth to look more like him. Will you stand with me, church? We're going to have prayer partners down here at the front. If you had not had that moment where you got to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't miss that opportunity. If you need to get right with God, if you need to repent, if you need to have something get off your chest, you feel it in your spirit right now, don't miss the moment. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it is alive and active, sharpening the double-edged sword. It penetrates and divides soul and spirit, joint and marrow. God, thank you for sanctification, making us look more like you. God, I pray over the families in this room. I pray over the, the moms and the wives and the husbands and the fathers. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them, that you would guide them, would you lead them, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the hope that Jesus brings. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen, guys. God bless. See you next week. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.